CCC friends and family. Let's worship the Lord together.
give thanks in every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And in Psalm 34, 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Let's sing, bless the Lord.
you uh, for the truth that we um, are to worship and praise your name in every season, in every circumstance, God. You're in control. You have this. And Lord, it's so humbling to just recognize that you are God and we are not. Lord, we come to you asking for mercy, God. We come to you asking um, and praying on behalf of um, the people who are working in the hospitals, Lord, for the nurses, for the physicians, for people who are um, just facing this day in and day out. And uh, we just pray for your protection on those people, God. We intercede on their behalf, Lord, for their safety. God, we pray for those who are suffering, um, who are in need of medical help, Lord, and while resources are still being handled, God, we just pray for your hand of protection. We pray for your hand of healing, Lord. Um, and we just praise you that we know that you heal on this side of eternity and that you heal on the next too, God, that you are the healer that is part of your name, that is part of your kingdom, God. And Lord, we rejoice in the fact and the truth of who you are and that we can rest in you, that your heart is good, God, that you are good, that you are wholesome. And Lord, we pray for those who are lonely, God, those who are isolated, those who um, are sick and can't have visitors, God those who are isolated at home and are concerned about going out to the grocery stores, Lord, we pray for your hand of peace, Lord. You say that you are the Prince of Peace, God. And so we just proclaim that over people who are suffering in that way right now, Lord. We pray for connection. We pray for community. And we thank you so much, Lord, that Jesus, that you prayed on our behalf, God, even when you prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord. It wasn't just for that time, God. It was for today, Lord, that you are interceding on our behalf uh, in the kingdom and the throne of God, Lord, and we just praise you for that, Lord, and so we pray for unity, just as you pray for unity in your church, God, that we would be united as both prophets and priests, God, that as priests, that we would be your hands and feet, um, just reaching out, praying on behalf, interceding for those who are um, in pain and for those who are on the front lines, and God, also, that we would be prophets, that we would speak into this time, um, and just speak to the truth that you are in control, that you are holy, that there is peace in you, that there is rest in you, that there, uh, your power is greater than any virus, Lord, and that no matter what happens, Lord, if we put our trust in you, if we put our faith in you, God, we will never go away hungry. We will never go away in pain because in you is life and life everlasting. And so, God, we just commit ourselves to you. Uh, wherever we are, whether it's in the car, whether it's in the living room, whether it's on a job, listening to this on a podcast, God, we commit ourselves to you right now, Lord, and we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will just speak to us individually, um, and that we will just rejoice in the truth and the promises of your word as Pastor John comes and speaks life, Lord. You say that your word will not return void, and God, we pray that promise for, Lord, you are faithful, you keep your promises, and you are worthy of praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Burlington, and church family, and all of you out there that are tuning in today. Uh, welcome back. We're so glad that you could be with us. I know you, uh, I can't see you, but you can see me, and so we're halfway to where we're going to get one day. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and soon we'll all be able to come together with our church families and worship together and high-five each other and give hugs and all those things. It's coming. It's coming. God's going to help us, and we're going to get through this. Just keep hanging in there. Main thing is be safe and be smart. Keep your hands clean. Practice good social distancing, and God will see us through. We are moving forward in our faith. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're talking about moving forward in our faith, and we're going to continue that. And uh, I want to just give you a, a quick, hard-pounding message. So, so tune in with me right now. Work with me, and let's focus together as we move through 
uh, what I think are some of the most powerful verses in the scripture. It comes from the book of Philippians. Paul is writing from jail in Rome to the Philippians church that he established. Now he's trying to encourage the Christians there to keep moving in their faith, to keep growing in their faith. He's putting these like building blocks in their life to help them grow up like Legos, one on top of the other, one truth after another truth to move them forward, to move us forward, to make us stronger. We're going to look at one of those truths today that is so powerful. And so that's our plan. Last week was Easter. I hope you had a great Easter. Maybe found some eggs, colored some eggs, made some baskets, um, and had a, a had a good time with Easter. Um, the week before that, we began this passage of scripture in Philippians two, and today I want to just kind of I want to touch on it some more because it's so big and it's so powerful and it's so good. This passage, verses five to eight, are are tucked in between two other little sections in chapter two. Both sections. The top part, the bottom part are very powerful, but this middle section is powerful too. And it says a lot to us. It, it just screams to us to, to move toward being like Jesus and all that he is about. And, and probably one of the, 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 greatest, the greatest examples of Jesus' attitude and life and, and his view of us comes out in this passage. So let's read it. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, as, as we live together in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Like that's how we're supposed to think, just like Jesus. Verse six, who being the very nature God, he was the very nature God, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, all one, all equal, all separate parts. He says, who being very nature God, Jesus is God, did not consider equality with God, that equalness with him, something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, some versions might say uh, he did not cling to it or he did not hold on to it, but he let it go. Uh, verse 7, rather, he made himself something? No, he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. God became a human being just like us. And being found in the appearance as a man, as one of us, human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now there's a lot of good truth in this, these verses. Unbelievable truth, like this last one. Humbled himself by becoming obedient. That word obedient. Jesus, God, became obedient to his Father and to the mission, even to the point of death. He obeyed his Father to the point of death. That is incredible. What I want to touch on is this attitude idea, because this is where we fit into this, right? This is, applies directly to us. Because Jesus has a certain attitude, and he's calling you and me to have that same attitude. Like, have the same mind as Jesus, the same heart as Jesus. And attitude has to do with our mindset. It has to do with our, our, our outlook. It has to do with the frame of mind by which we make decisions and where things come from in our life. Those roots that are deep within us that, that show themselves 
in the heat of the battle or, or in the midst of a discussion or a disagreement or a, a moment of anger. You know, these things that come out of us that we go, whoa, where did that come from? Well, God is wanting those areas in our life to be so full of Him. Our attitude is so full of Him that, that things that come out of us look like Him. Attitude has to be, has to do with our mental posture, like how we posture ourselves as we face like life's challenges, as we walk through this world. It's about our attitude. And Jesus' attitude was that he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that means complete surrender. He gave everything that he had, all of himself, every ounce of energy, every, every thought was all about you. It was all about me. He gave every ounce of his blood poured out on the ground of this earth for you and for me. That's the attitude of Jesus, like humble servanthood. He loves us. He dies for us. And he didn't do this like for his own need. Notice that. He didn't do this to get any gain in and of himself. He didn't gain from this. He left heaven and became a slave and died on a cross. There's nothing in it for Jesus. You and I are the recipients of his surrender. You and I are the recipients of his sacrifice. We gain from what Jesus did. He didn't gain from this. We gain from this. He did this because we were in need, not because he was in need. And the people that Jesus went to the cross for are people just like you and me. I mean, these are people who rejected Jesus. These are people who hate on Jesus. These are people who are actually nailing him to the very cross that he died on. He was dying for those very people. Jesus went to the cross for people who to this very day reject him, deny him, and refuse to come to him and acknowledge him as Lord and creator of the universe. He died for those people, for those of us, all of us, who were headed for eternal hell. Jesus dies for us. Paul says like this in verse 6, who be in very nature God, okay, equal to God, he is God, Jesus is God, did not consider that equality, hanging on to that equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. He emptied, what Jesus did was he emptied himself of his God standing. He knew he was God, he is God, and yet he let go of being God and became like us so that he could die on a cross for others like us and as a human being like him. That's what the incarnation is all about. It's about God becoming flesh and blood. And, and, and Jesus became one of us so that he could pay the penalty for the sin of mankind that was demanded by God. That if you eat from the fruit or if you sin, you will die. And all of us have sinned. Therefore, all of us must spiritually die and be cut off from God. The only one that could ever come and pay that penalty would be a perfect human being. Jesus left heaven to become a perfect human being and to pay the penalty for all of our sin. He is a high priest. 
He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the only one that could pull this off. And Jesus emptied himself of all of his equalness with God. He did not run toward God. Instead, he ran away from being God. He left his Godhood. He moved away from it for us. You know, we hear a lot of stories about people who, who kind of show or display this a taste of what this humility is kind of like. One day in the past, a long time ago, there was a rider on a horse, and he comes across some men, and they're in the road. These, they're men, and they're soldiers, and they're trying to push this huge tree out of the road. There's a man sitting on his horse watching these men, and the rider comes up to him, and he says, Hey, what's going on? Who are you? And the man says, uh, we're, we're trying to move this uh, log out of the, this tree out of the road. And uh, the rider asks him who he is. He says, and I'm the corporal. And the rider says, well, why aren't you helping them uh, move that tree? And the corporal says, because, because I'm the corporal. I give the orders. And I ordered the men to move the tree. Well, they weren't being very successful in this. And so the rider gets down off of his horse and he walks up to the tree with the men. And together they push with all their might and they move the tree out of the way. Who was the rider? You guessed it. George Washington. As he got back on his horse, George Washington, he said to the corporal, leaned over to him, and he said, Corporal, any time that your men need assistance, just send for the, the, the commander-in-chief, your commander-in-chief, and I will be glad to come and help them. See, that's humility. That's a good taste of what humility looks like from a great leader. And that's what leaders do. That's what Christians do. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're called to do, to be humble servants like that. C.S. Lewis, a well-known Christian author, he said this. He said a lot of great things, but he says this about humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not putting yourself down or cutting yourself down. That's not what humility is. Humility is this. It's thinking of yourself less. It's like lifting up other people, thinking of others, putting others first, and putting yourself less. Just don't push yourself out there. Let others do that. Let God do that. You put others first, and you'll be fine. See, that's humility. That's what humility looks like. In sports, we see, we see uh, like teams when they win the championship or they win the, the Stanley Cup, right? We see the, the hockey players marching around the ice, holding the, 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 the cup up, the Lord Stanley Cup, and they're kissing it, and they're hugging it, and they're drinking out of it, and they're sharing it with everyone, and they love it. And, and in NCAA, whether it's uh, college basketball, Duke, you know, winning the national championship, or in football, or, or uh, in, in the NFL, you know, the, the Vince Lombardi trophy, we're hoisting it, we're hugging it, we're loving it, we've accomplished our goal. You know, that love relationship that people have with the trophy. Probably one of the greatest Iconic moments is in 1991 when Michael uh, Jordan uh, won, I think it was his first NBA championship with the Chicago Bulls. And we remember this picture of Michael. This is our, our guest picture today, uh, this week, of uh, an athlete, Michael Jordan. And he's hugging that trophy, and it's well-deserved. He's worked hard to get here. A lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of work in the gym, a lot of training, a lot of keeping yourself in shape, a lot of eating the right things. Now, as humans, that's what we do because 
Because in co competition or in athletes, we want to be better than everyone else. And that's the goal of com competition, right? It's to be better than everyone else. So I'm not dogging Michael uh, Jordan for this at all. Because this is the nature of being a human being. What I'm trying to do, though, with you is contrast that with who Jesus is. See, we as humans, what we do, what we do is we chase to cling. We chase after our goals. We set our goals, whether it's to be an athlete or a professional athlete or to win a championship, whatever it is. We set that goal, and when we, if we're fortunate enough to reach the goal, we then cling to the trophy. We, we chase to cling. Contrast that with Jesus with me in the passage that we're looking at. See, Jesus didn't do that. What Jesus did was he walked away from his godhood. Jesus is moving the exact opposite direction of you and me. We're moving toward clinging to stuff. Jesus is letting go of the greatest thing that anyone could ever have, and that's equality with his Father. And he did that for you and for me. He let go of greatness to become one of us, to die for us. And we, what we do is we let go of everyone around us to cling to, to things that we think have great value. And we're moving the opposite direction of Jesus. That's what makes Jesus the greatest humble servant that will ever live on this planet. He walked away from his equality with God. He made himself, the passage says, made himself nothing of no reputation. He, he didn't go after a reputation and popularity. He let go of it and he became one of us, flesh and blood. That is so much not like us. We're not like that. Like We're the opposite of that. We live in a world of like popularity seekers. We just all want to be liked so much. Like we want people to tune in and watch and click and like and, and, and make a cool comment about how awesome my trip to wherever was. You know, we, we thirst for that. We hunger for that. And the problem with this is this, is that we're trying to be liked so much, we don't even realize how much God loves us. See, we're stuck on being liked. And the truth of the matter is, you're already loved. You're loved by the Creator. And sometimes we don't even take the time to notice that or to pay attention to that. See, we strive to get like Facebook hits and we're friending people, we're defriending people, we're trying to get Instagram followers. We become distracted in a lot of ways by hits, shares, friending, and followers. We're distracted, we thirst and hunger for these things. You know, Taylor Swift has 125 million Instagram followers. 125 million Instagram followers. Uh, Christian Ronaldo, he has the most Instagram followers of everyone in the world. He has 181 million followers. That makes my couple hundred Facebook likes or friends seem so tiny, doesn't it? Like, these people, they're, they're, they're chasing after being liked and being friended and being like followed. And that's what we get distracted in doing, chasing after these things. And what Jesus did in contrast to what we do is he's letting go of his godhood. He's letting go of being equal to the Father so that he could become a human to pay the penalty that humans had to pay to cover the debt of sin. 
Jesus comes and he does that, and he dies on a cruel cross for the sins of the world. And what Paul says to you and me as Jesus dying on the cross for us, he says, like, have the same attitude as Jesus has. And he says, let this mind, let the mind of Jesus also be in you. Now check this out. This is a, a, a humble servanthood chart, real quick. It's four levels here. One, two, three, four. And all of us, we're, we're in here somewhere, okay? There's a very basic level of, of humble servanthood that, that most people have, not everybody, because there are lots of rude people out there in the world. You've probably run into some. Uh, hopefully we're not those people, you know, we're more considerate than that and we think about others. But the first level of humble servanthood is that you are just having awareness and you think about other people. You might hold the door for somebody, you might, you know, let them in your lane in front of you instead of cutting them off. Uh, you might just be kind or considerate, you know, modest, a little show of respect toward other people around you, just on a very basic level, level one. Level two takes it a little deeper. It's more of a, like somebody who is um, like, they're, they're conscious of trying to do nice things for people. And every once in a while, when it's convenient, when it happens to be uh, their moment, they'll do something kind, right? They'll lower themselves, they'll put others first in a, in a very basic way, and they'll serve others through like acts of love or acts of kindness. You might go out of your way just a little bit to do things for other people. Level three is that you are becoming a kind of a sacrificial person, that you have consciously decided that I'm going to follow the path of humility, and I'm going to be sacrificial of my resources, my money, my time, my, uh, my um, maybe I'll, I'll use my vacation this year, and I'm gonna go to Africa, and I'm gonna serve people who have nothing, or Haiti, or other places where I can do some good for other people. That's level three. That's, that's where you're making conscious decisions to, to give of yourself to serve other people in this world. And then there's level four, which is where Jesus is at. Like this level of, of, of not only being willing, but total sacrifice. Willing not only to die for a friend, but willing to die for a stranger. And in Jesus' case, willing to die for the very people that were nailing him to the cross. As he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is ultimate sacrificial love. And we're all in here somewhere, and I, what I hope that is happening in your life and my life is that we're becoming more like Jesus, that we're, we're not just on the basic surface level, but we're moving our life in a conscious way, in a, in a very uh, intentional way. We're saying, I want to be like Christ because that's what it means to be like Jesus. And he is, Jesus is the chief master builder. He's the one who builds this kind of attitude like into your life. He's the only one who can because he's the only one who conquered this. He let go of equality. He humbled himself to the point of death. And then he calls us to be like him. You know, and our only hope, our only hope is in Jesus. And here's the truth. We can talk about going forward with God or in our spiritual walk or in our life. But when it comes to things outside of this world, the flesh, the worldliness, when it comes to this stuff, there is no going forward in any spiritual way, in any way, without a cross. Actually, without two crosses. The first cross is the cross of Jesus. When he, when he dies on a cross and you accept Jesus and his death into your life and you say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to what Jesus did on the cross for me. The second cross is your cross because Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone, anybody out there, 
If you want to come after me, you want to follow me, then you must deny yourself, surrender, complete surrender of yourself. You die to yourself, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. That's what, that's what Jesus said. So without a cross and without the resurrection, here's, what, here's where we're at. We are hopelessly, we are hopelessly left and we are hopelessly lost in our sin because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus' blood and his sacrifice can cover all of our sin if we will surrender to him. We will be completely separated from the creator of God who made us in his image for all of eternity if we don't accept what Jesus has done for us. You know, I, I know we don't fully get this. We don't understand this. And sometimes I think it's because we just would rather ignore it. Like other things in life, we just would rather not think about it or we don't want to just go any deeper with it because it maybe hurts or we don't like the idea of having to change. But I hope that you will take a little bit of time and really consider what Jesus has done for you on the cross and his call for you to follow him. And this attitude that he calls us to, I don't think it impacts us the way that it should impact us. Because if it did, if it did impact us the way that it should, we would not only walk to Jesus, but we would run. And we would sprint to Jesus. We would run so quickly to him if we really got this, if we understood what it means. And what we're missing without Jesus in our life, we would run to him. Like we could go off and strive for all kinds of popularity and riches and fortune and fame. You could do that. You could do that. But you know what that is? It's the lure of the devil. It's like he's a fisherman and he's like throwing bait anywhere he can. If you go fishing without a hook, you're probably not going to catch anything. But if you put bait on that hook, you have a really good chance of catching something. And here's the thing. The devil knows what you like and he's going to put that bait on that hook and he's going to throw it in your direction. The, the bait of Satan is, is that he uses all the good things that God makes for, for our good. He turns them to use them against God. Right? He, gets, he gets us to worship those things. He gets us to buy into them so much that we give all of our time and all of our energy and all of our resources. And we give all of ourselves to stuff. Stuff that is not bad stuff. It's just being used to bait you away from God. Don't fall for that, man. Don't fall for it. Like, like be smarter than that. Like, be smarter than that. Don't let the devil... Like use the treasures and the pleasures of this world to lure you away from the creator. Free will says that you could, you could chase after these things. And we're going to end right here because, because I want us to really just think about what, what it was that Christ did for us on the cross. What it means to us and then what are we going to do with it. So here, here's the thing. You could, you could chase after all these things. They're, they're there. You know, they're right there for you to chase after. You know, money and popularity and friending and, and, and houses. And, and there's plenty of people, rich people, who have attained all these things. And they don't have God in their life. Some of them may, some of them don't. But you can do, you can chase after the things of this world and get those things. See, that's the beauty of what free will is. It's God's way of saying, I love you so much. I'm not going to force you to love me I want you to choose to love me. But know this, God says to us, he loves us. 
He sent his son to die on a cross for us. That's proof of his love for every one of us. But he's not going to make you chase him. He's not going to make you chase him one bit. But here's the thing. When you collect all those things and you go after money and you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're focused. Human beings, we get focused. We get locked in. I get that locked in. Like if I got a project I'm working on, man, I'm on it. Like we're planting a garden right now and I'm like, it's all about the tomatoes. It's all about the strawberries, cantaloupe. Let's make sure they're safe. It's going to frost tonight. Let's cover them up. You know, all that. You just get locked in. That's what we do. We're human. But every once in a while, and I hope this is the moment, that we have to stop and think. Here's what we got to think about. Then what? Then what? Just, just say that in your own heart. Then what? Like, like, like after I'm done chasing all the things of this world, you know, when, when I come to the end of my road, whether that's at age 90, 80, 70, maybe 50, 40, who knows? We don't know. We don't guarantee it tomorrow. The only guarantee you have is this moment, and, and in this very moment, we have to make a decision about our future. Here's the thing, this guy's standing at the edge of the cliff, right? This cliff represents the end of his road, right? This is the end of the road. So at some point, all of us are going to get to this moment where we have to step off into eternity. And the question is, then what? Like, really, like, then what? You, you're not going to be able to, like, take your treasures and go, here, God, look, I, I can pay my way in. No, that, your treasures are nothing. Our treasures... The treasures of this world, Paul says, are rubbish. They're like trash compared to eternity. Right? What do you, what's going to happen next? That very next moment when you come to the edge of your life and you have to step off into eternity and your treasures will do you no good. Will you have invested at anything at all in the life that is to come? In your eternity. Jesus said, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Like that is that is one of the most foolish things that we could ever do. Is exchange our eternal soul for stuff of this planet. And get this, we're going to end right here. Jo this is Judas. Judas throwing the money bag back because he realized what he had done. Remember we see in the Old Testament a guy named Esau. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew because he thought he was going to die. And he traded in his, his inheritance for a bowl of stew. We see Peter, Peter three times saying, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this Jesus. I've never heard of him. And here we have Judas who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of gold or silver, 30 pieces of silver. He, he, like, he just sold out. See, wisdom is saying, I'm going to count the cost and invest in the life that is forever. I'm going to invest in the life forever. And so I'm going to leave you with this. When you come to the end of your road, which could be today, tomorrow, or the next day, the coronavirus has already taken thousands of lives. Those people had no idea that was going to happen to them. And we have no idea what might come tomorrow or today. But we can prepare for eternity. We can do some things right now that will make sure that we're ready 
to meet our maker when that moment happens because we are all going to step off the cliff at some point. And then we're going to face God. And I hope and pray that we're, we're ready, that we'd all be ready. Okay, and the way that we get ready is by taking what Jesus has done on the cross, that he let go of his equality with God, he became a human being so that he could pay the penalty for human beings. And when you accept Jesus as Lord of your life and you are immersed into Christ through baptism and you let God wash away your sins, right? We repent and we get baptized in the name of Jesus. And he cleanses us. We have a new life. We're free from our sin. Free to live for God. Free to obey God. Free to honor God. Free to do the things on this earth, but now do them for a greater purpose. An eternal purpose. And along the way, influence people for the kingdom of God. Now, what, what, what would possibly be greater than, than that? Like, chasing after uh, worldly trinkets is nothing compared to influencing people for the kingdom of God. And I, and I hope and pray that the then what, this then what, will stick in your heart and you'll meditate and think about this for the rest of this week. Let's pray. Father, I, I just pray that you'll move in our hearts and draw us close to you, Father. Everyone who's listening in right now, God, that you will, you will speak to us and, and help us to honor you in all that we do. That we would begin by just surrendering to you, God. Just say, God, I, I need you. I need you in my life. Please, Father, come in and, and, and change my heart. Draw me close to you, Lord. I need you, Father. Go to work in my life. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Now, if you would do that, that would be amazing. It would be an amazing way to start this Sunday. It is a true resurrection day for you if you did that. Please consider then what? And we'll see you next time. Next week, I hope. God bless. God willing, we'll all be still here on the planet. And we will see you next week. Keep preparing for eternity. It's far greater than anything else. God bless you.